Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome. So this may be the laziest recording of my podcast ever. I am in my pajamas. I have not put on eyeliner. I have not washed my hair. I have my notes in front of me. I haven't even really looked at them. So part of the plan for the new year for the podcast is to get these recorded visually and put them up on YouTube since that's the place where people go. So I am recording these visually, even though probably you won't be able to see them visually for a while. So I do like to put on eyeliner and wear clothes because, you know, it sets the tone. But today I thought I'd go lazy because this will be released during the week between Christmas and New Year's, which is like, what the hell day is it? anyway for all of us. So I didn't want to go too heavy on any major parenting lessons or anything. I thought I'd just share a couple of parenting things, but I thought I'd just share some like really personal things. A lot's been going on in my life, a lot of stuff that I've been sharing on the podcast and on Instagram, but I thought I'd dive deep today. So first of all, I want to dig into a a question that came up because I think it's super important. And this was from somebody on Patreon. Remember you guys, you can, I'm sure you heard this at the beginning, but you can always join Patreon for an ad-free version. And that is where we have more direct communication and a community there. So that is super fun. And that's a dollar a month if you want to go over there. So this was a comment on the, when co-regulation doesn't work podcast, which was released, I do believe like two weeks ago. And Monica wrote in and she said, Hey, do I tell him mommy needs a minute to take a break? I'll be right back. When I can tell I might start losing it. He cries and says, no, mommy, don't go like he is scared. It's like, he's afraid I will lose it. If I take a break in another room, I wonder if it's due to some quote unquote mom rage episodes that I've had in the past which by the way, thanks to your amazing work, I have come a long way. So remember, if you haven't listened to When Co-Regulation Doesn't Work, go ahead and go give that a listen because I think it's super important because co-regulation isn't always possible and it's really touted right now all over social and in the sort of parenting grades, you know? I know like Dr. Becky and, and Janet Lansbury and Dr. Laura Goodham, uh, Laura Markham. That's who it is. I'm sorry, Laura, Dr. Laura Markham. So a lot of the, the big thing is like co-regulate, co-regulate, co-regulate. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Except if you can, except if you're so highly triggered that you go into mom rage like this mama, and then you might be actually causing more damage. So co-regulation isn't always the best thing if it's you know not what you can do in the moment, right? And we have to admit our humanness and we have to admit our faults and we have to admit that we get highly triggered by our kids. And I'm going to be delving into... I already released, you know, a little bit, a couple of real life examples of me and trauma. And I'm going to be doing a lot more trauma work because it's so important. Like when I look at any issues that come up, any issues your kid has, like uh, when I interviewed Sarah of Joyful Toddler, it got a huge response, right? Because she's a parenting expert as well. And it's always us. Like it may not be our fault, but a lot of times we throw fire, right? We've throw, what is it, gas on the fire, right? And so we want to be really conscious of our triggers and our triggers are almost always rooted in some sort of trauma, big or small, doesn't have to be like the big, big, big traumas. So what this mama is having a problem with is that she's doing well now, but she feels like there's some residual stuff from previous mom rage episodes. And 
I wrote back to her that I was glad, you know, glad, of course, that my work is helping her. But one of the things we really, really, really want to do, and again, I, this isn't news because I talk about this a lot, is we want to cultivate the pause. You want to cultivate the like swallow air, swallow your words for a minute and pause before you react. A lot of times just doing that will buy you enough time to be like, okay, this child is you know, not in his right mind, or this is mine, I can own this. And it's a skill that you really want to start working on now because you're going to need it a lot when your child becomes a teenager. And I can honestly say I actually nearly perfected it now, but reminder, Pascal is going on 17. So it takes a while. It's not a practice that comes immediately. So be easy on yourself. And remember, it is a practice. Just because you blow it once doesn't mean that you're going to blow it all the time. You get better and better and better at it. And this takes grace. You have to be gentle with yourself as you're learning this. So if you can pause, you can close your eyes and take a deep breath. And I know that's like cliche. I know that's what everybody tells you to do, but it's true. When you can breathe, you get out of your lizard brain. We go into fight or flight when we are activated by our child's behavior, right? And now our child's behavior, they're probably in fight or flight. Now you got two people in a room in fight or flight. It's never going to go well. So if you can take that breath to get some oxygen, literally just get the oxygen in there so that you can get out of that fight or flight, that can be extremely helpful. Another big trick is, can you just sit there with your child? If your child's fearful of you going, or you try to leave the room because you're doing a parental timeout, can you close your eyes and say, let's just breathe together for a minute. I'm upset and I don't want to be upset anymore. Let's just breathe. If you can stay present, close your eyes and take those deep breaths with your child, even if they're starting to escalate, right? That is also tremendously helpful and you're teaching them a huge life skill. Sometimes that's not always possible. Sometimes the child is grabbing at you. Sometimes they're really, really activated and it's not possible and you can't do that. Another trick, and I got this from Hunt Gather Parent, is can you take your child outside? Quick, let's go outside. Quick. And so a lot of times I'll work with clients when their child starts getting on a track and one thing we'll do is do a really loud clap, boom, stop. And it, it can just jump the track that the child is on. So you can jump that tantrum track. You can jump that escalation track. And it, it can get the child to almost like wake up and say, oh, oh, right. I'm okay. No, I, I'm okay. I can breathe, you know? <laughs> and so going outside can do the thing. A breath of fresh air always helps, but also there's things you can look at. And when you go outside, you can actually say to yourself or to your child, what color is the sky? Can we see anything else blue? Yeah. Can we see anything green? Can we see anything orange? You know, whatever colors are in front of you, start picking out things. And this again, broadens your focus and it doesn't tighten your focus. And this has to do with the vagus nerve activation, right? When we are in fight or flight, our focus gets very narrow because we have to zone in on the thing that's like going to kill us or, you know, in our lizard brain going to kill us, but the thing that's really bugging us. So we want to expand the horizon. Yeah. And that is amazing when you go outside, but also it's just a chain of change of scenery, a boom, quick, let's jump this track. Let's get outside and hunt gather parent. They actually put the child outside a lot of other cultures and leave the child outside and close the door. We don't have to do that. And I don't know that that's necessarily safe in a lot of our places, but, but that is a possibility as well. And then the last thing I wanted to say is when you have had, when you, the parent, have had bad behavior with your child, when you have escalated yourself and truly activated and you start again with that catastrophic stuff, right? Like rageful, you never, you always, you're talking at them. It's a monologue. It's a monologue of correction. 
when you know you've behaved badly, and even if you apologize afterwards, which of course you should, and repair afterwards, but you also want to go over in a situation like this, you want to go over that repair in a non-heated moment. And it might look like, you know, listen, sweetie, sometimes when you get upset, I start to get upset. Or when something happens, mommy can start to go upset. No, before I used to get crazy. <gasps> like imitate it. Imitate yourself going psycho in a safe zone and say, oh my goodness, like that's scary when mommy did that. So I'm going to change. And next time I start to get upset, I would like to go to the bathroom, but I'll be right back. Do you think that's a good idea? And talk about it, you know, depending on your child's age, they may or may not be able to like articulate a lot or talk about it very succinctly or clearly, but definitely in a non-heated moment, apologize, apologize effusely. We cannot do enough repair with our kids. It's always helpful to hear in any situation when somebody behaves badly, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I looked like a crazy person. I will try to do better next time. Here's the tools I'm going to put in place. And remember, this is a classic apology. This is for you and your spouse, you and your friends. Saying sorry means jack shit if you don't change your behavior. And changing your behavior sometimes means putting tools in place that everybody knows. So with your spouse or with your friends, it might look like, it might look like I have to go away for a minute. I promise I'll be back. I'm going to do this next time I get activated so I don't say hurtful things to you. And that goes so far in relationships because you are not only apologizing and then blowing it off, you are showing them that, listen, I have an idea. I have tools. I'm going to practice this. I may not be good at it, but I hear you and I don't want to do this to you again. And so that's really, really great. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I have a habit my whole life of going silent. So when I'm super upset, I go silent because if I don't, I know shit is going to come out of my mouth. It's going to be a sewer coming out of my mouth. And I know I've hurt people in that. And so what I would do is I would stay very silent. I would clamp up in an effort to save you and save me and save the relationship. I would clamp up. The problem is I wouldn't just clamp up. I would literally steal the oxygen from the room. I would steal the oxygen from a 50 mile radius. Like if I'm not speaking to you, I think that's probably at my most powerful. Like I have this presence and when I take that away on purpose, it is scary. And I would do this thinking I was being helpful. And it wasn't until I had Pascal and he called me on it when he was like four or five and told me that it was very scary for him because it felt like a abusive, passive aggressive silent treatment and it's not what I intended. So now I think I've gotten like a real handle on a lot of this. I have to, having a kid is amazing. If you've done your trauma work and your kid like perfects it, it's like I've gotten really good at a lot of these things. So I can't say this has happened recently, but fairly recently, like maybe four years ago or something, I would work with friends and I would say, listen, when I get super mad or super activated, I go radio silent. I will be back. I promise. It's just that I don't want to say hurtful things in those moments. And I know it can feel passive aggressive. I assure you it's not. And everybody's been very helpful. And then I can come back when I've straightened it out in my head. I've gotten calm. I've gotten level. And that's what I can do. And so do that with your child. Start at a very young age. Because again, this takes practice and you're not going to be good at it at first. And so you really want to, I'm telling you guys right now, all these things we talk about, everything I talk about, you will need every ounce of this when your child is a teenager and you want to get good at it. So like if nothing else, it's worth just practicing now. So you're good at it then, but it really is helpful for the relationship and repairing. So I wanted to mention another 
situation of repair that happened with a client and it was awesome. So it's, it's a funny story. Her daughter like hoards toothbrushes. And so she had all the like extra toothbrushes in her room in a drawer and her little brother caught wind of this and wanted one of the toothbrushes. And she was being kind of a little snit and said no, and she wasn't going to share. The mom got upset and went into a little bit of like mom rage, a little catastrophic thinking and said, you know, you're not sharing. He shares with you and I'm never going to buy you anything new. And, you know, these things that those things that we, we say when we're in those spaces and we know we don't mean. And so then the next morning, her little one, who's four, was not speaking to her and like very obviously speaking to daddy and very obviously ignoring mommy. And this mama was trying to get her to advocate for herself. So she was like, you know, if you're upset, you can talk to me. You can tell people when you're upset, which is a good lesson, right? That is a really great lesson. But then she contacted me and she was like, I don't know what to do. She's not talking to me. I'm really trying to help her approach me with this. And so, you know, we had a good laugh because I was like, dude, she's four. Like you're responsible for the repair. And she was like, oh my God, of course I am. (laughs) And we talked a lot about this particular situation is that like, you know, if it were the four-year-old's dolls, like like the toothbrushes, I think seemed like a pretty innocuous, it's, it's a neutral object, right? And so you can think like, well, she's got all the family's extra toothbrushes. Why can't she share? But if it were her toys, would you have felt the same? And if it were her younger son's toys, would she have felt the same? And that shed some light on it too. Cause she was like, yeah, you know, cause I said, listen, if you're letting her hoard them and they're in a drawer in her room, that does imply possession, you know? And so she thinks they're hers now. So yeah, so it was a really helpful dialogue because I don't think this mama blew it out of the water. I think she was doing the right thing, trying to get her daughter to say, to not do the passive aggressive thing, right? To say, I'm upset with you because of X, Y, and Z. But at this tender age, and I would say probably under the age of 10, we religiously have to practice this. But even sometimes now, even with Pascal, I have to initiate the repair because they're kids, they're still learning. And they're caught up in their emotions and it's our job. Remember, all of this shit falls under modeling, you guys, and it pays off. I cannot tell you, I was just um, talking to my mom and I was just like, God, it's so great when you get to this point and the kids are, they get the lessons. The lessons are inherent. Everything you have said has become their inner voice and it has been repetitive over and over and over again. My friend Jen and I were just talking about this, like you have to repeat stuff so much that it feels like it's not going in. And then all of a sudden one day they wake up and they're like in their older teenage years and they're repeating back all the lessons and they know it. Pascal is so good at repairing relationships and and extending grace for mistakes in relationships. And so I'm like, wow, he's better at it than me, which may be nature or nurture, but I also nurtured the hell out of this. So I think it's one of those things that you don't get the payoff till way later, but it's really great. So don't be afraid to initiate repair. Don't get locked into, well, she's the one being crappy. Yeah, she's being crappy because she's four. Yeah. And again, I don't think this mama thought she was being crappy. She was advocating for almost a more advanced lesson. So again, all of us, we need to initiate the repair. Okay. So like I said, I was talking to my mom just the other day. So I wanted to update you guys on my mom. She is doing really great. She's been in and out of every hospital in Rhode Island. She's 75 and she's medically fragile. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it, (laughs) but she looks good. She's probably going home from the nursing home rehab this week. And she's weak, she's fragile, but she has words, which is great. She had a stroke like six months ago. So 
her speech sort of takes a hit when she's tired or during this whole her fluffle. It was just, it was so bizarre because she was so good on Thanksgiving. It was wild. We are a card playing family. We like Hilo Jack when we get into a big group and we are aggressive and loud. <laughs> Hilo Jack is a, it's a fun game, but there's, there's quite a few components to it. You know, it's not crazy eights or all made or Uno. And she held her cards. She could hold all her cards. She was, you know, could follow the game, which was amazing. She hadn't been able to do that in, in quite a long time. And so we were all like, oh my God, she was walking with like a cane. And even then she could leave it sometimes. And then she tanked on that Saturday. So she fell, she broke three ribs and then all kinds of shit happened. And I don't know if you guys know this, but my mom, ever since she was 50, she woke up when she was 50, woke up one day with rheumatoid arthritis paralyzed, like completely paralyzed. So after that, her health started to tank rapidly. She's had the most bizarre medical history ever. So she literally had, I call it soap opera amnesia. It's called global transient amnesia. She had amnesia for five days, like the kind that you see on soap operas, you know, like in Pine Valley or something. (laughs) They all seem to be ridden with uh, amnesia, but she had that. Like it was the weirdest thing. Luckily, we caught it because we, at the time, I lived, we lived in a two family. I lived upstairs. She lived on downstairs and she, she came upstairs looking for a hairdryer. And at the time I was almost bald. And I was like, ma, I don't have a hairdryer. Like, what do you, where's your hairdryer? And I went downstairs to her house and like her hairdryer was sitting right there and her makeup was all over the place. And I was like, uh oh, something's wrong. So, and she didn't know the president. I said, who's the president? And she was like, um, you know, that guy. And I was like, no, mom, I'm going to need a better answer. So that was one thing that she, she's also had two dissecting aneurysms in her aorta four years apart. These are typically things you find in an autopsy, but it's it's also typically a like one per customer. Like sh- nobody really gets two, but she's had two different ones. So then they were fixing the second one and they were going to put a stint in. The first one she had open heart surgery. The second one they were going to put a stint in. They have to get her blood pressure down. So they use this cream instead of a pill. And this cream is notorious for like weird dosing. It comes out like toothpaste. So it's really hard to dose exactly. So they gave her too much and she, her blood pressure sank and she stroked out. So that was a stroke. And then my father and I, she had no memory, no memory whatsoever. And my stepdad and I took shifts. I would do the 12 hours overnight and he would do the 12 hours during the day. And it was really, really really challenging because she didn't know where she was. She kept asking where she was. And I would say, you know, where do you think you are, mom? And she would say church. And I was like, well, church doesn't usually have IVs, you know, take another guess. So that was challenging. So anyway, she's had a medical, Pascal was little. He said, don't worry, Meme, I don't think you can die. (laughs) So as only children can, right? So yeah, but she's doing great. Again, I don't have any illusions. When I say great, you know, she's going to be able to go home. She'll probably be able to spend days independently. But, you know, there's no bouncing back from this. And there's really no bouncing back from the sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting. I know I keep promising you guys, and I swear to God, it's going to be next week on why I eat and train the way I do. But this is part of it, muscle wasting. You get muscle wasting after the age of 50, it becomes tremendously hard to hang on to muscle. And anything, just even taking a week off can contribute to sarcopenia, this muscle wasting. And it contributes to being frail and being fragile will kill you. It will. Uh, The number one cause of death in the elderly is complications from falls. And so you want to keep your balance, you want to keep your strength, and you want to keep your lean muscle mass. But my mother, because she's been bedridden and can't really walk, she's lost a tremendous amount of muscle. After the age of 50, you're not getting that back. 
part of the reason I didn't do the whole surgery with my blown out knee was I did not want to be still for that long. I was really nervous about losing muscle mass and I have great lean muscle mass right now. And so I'm invested in keeping it so I age well. So I think that's going to be probably the thing that drags her down eventually because even like she fell, she was not going fast. She really just kind of fell and collapsed and she broke three ribs. So that also indicates low bone density as well. And so I see what's happening to her and I am highly invested in that not happening to me. Now, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, so I just coughed. I'm finally over my freaking sickness. So I was great for Thanksgiving too. And then that Saturday I got sick and it's weird. Here's my thing that I'm a little bitter about you guys. All right. I homeschool. I live in the middle of the woods. I don't people all that often. And the people I people with are pretty healthy. And I am a huge believer in, I say this jokingly and I don't do this, but like lick doorknobs for immunity. I am a firm believer in that we're too sterilized. So I'm all about it. I don't always wash my hands. I try to get a healthy amount of dirt and germs in my life. And I caught everything. I caught everything the day after Thanksgiving. I was like, what the hell? It was like my kid was back in daycare again. (laughs) So it started as a cold and every day like morphed into something else. Then I always get laryngitis. I've said this before on the podcast. I seem to get laryngitis. I think I talk a lot. Like I release a lot of podcasts and I'm constantly talking to clients. I had a weird cough, like a that kind of weird lingering cough that like only comes up when you laugh or talk a lot. So it was super challenging to get podcasts in on time. Then on Thursday, so my birthday was December 9th. On that Thursday, I went and took Maverick out on the trails and I felt so good. I woke up. I felt so good. I was going to start another round of 75 hard. I was like, damn, I'm feeling great. The hour that I was on the trail, my bones hurt so bad. I could barely get in my truck when I was done walking him. And we were only out for like an hour and 15 minutes. And I got home. I had to cancel clients. I was laid out. I've never experienced anything like that. My knowledge, I don't know that I've ever had the flu. The bone and muscle soreness, just, I was unbelievable. So I was laid out flat. I just, um, when that happens, you know me, I'm all like miss all natural and hippy dippy and whatnot. And I just NyQuil the fuck out of myself. I just took NyQuil so I would sleep. And then the next day was my birthday, which was good. I felt better on my birthday enough to make a birthday reel. If you didn't see that, it's very cute on Instagram. (laughs) And of course, you know, this is what takes precedent in our lives now, right? It's like, okay, I feel better. I can make a birthday reel. And then I also drove Pascal to that concert that I had told you guys about in the trauma episode, (laughs) but that's all I managed that day. So yeah, then then I had the flu, so then I couldn't see my mom for a week. Yeah. And then slowly it just became a cold again. And now finally I feel really good, but I do still have almost like a, it's almost like a dry throat, like, like that. Like I have to cough a little bit, but the moral of the story is we don't appreciate our health until we get sick. So just stay healthy. You guys do the things, especially sleep. I know I talk about this all the time, but it is the biggest dial mover. And I have talked about Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist at Stanford and he does an amazing podcast. Very scientific, but super informative. And he's done several episodes on sleep and it is the best thing you can do for your health. And just losing one hour of sleep a night can really affect everything detrimentally. Not just your attitude, but your everything, your mental health, your physical health, you get way hungrier, you want shit food and your capacity, you know, 
you guys are parenting in the marathon years. Like parenting a teenager is tricky, but it's not, you've got the practice. You know what I mean? You guys are in the like, you don't get a break, man. At least I do get a break. I get a break where he's like, I'm going to go to my room and like not talk to you, which is, I mean, not out of anger, just because I'm not interesting to him right now. <laughs> but you guys don't ever get that break. So you got to think of these years and don't worry. It's, you're going to get past it, but these toddler years are fucked. You got to think of it as like a marathon and train. You got to train, man. You got to be in the top condition all the time. Okay. I wanted to point to you guys, if you haven't seen it, please go to my Instagram and look at my child's winter concert. It was the coolest thing ever. So Pascal has played drums since he was six and he loves drums, but he's, he's good at them. It's almost like, not that you can't ever take a lesson or get better, but he was just kind of getting a little bored. Also, his friends were playing out at coffee houses and one plays keyboard and one plays guitar. And he was like, oh, guitar is like so much more portable. And in our tiny house, his drums took up a whole room. So I was not sad when he said he wanted to take up guitar. I was like, all right, awesome. He took up acoustic guitar and that was fine. But then realized that like all the songs he really wants to play is electric guitar. So he bought himself an electric guitar and an amp. Maverick is not a fan of the amp. (laughs) And the music school he goes to, you know, does a it's like a recital, but it's the winter concert. And they did it at a bar during the day. So it was fun. So it had like the stage and it had a bar. And music's always better when people are drinking always. <laughs> but they had, you know, food and it was so fun. And, you know, of course, there were people who had just started and did Jingle Bells, you know, just the melody of Jingle Bells. But he played in like a, a band. He had, There was a drummer who studies at the school. The bass player and guitarist were on the music school staff, but they filled in. And so it was really exciting to see him. I, and you can hear me hooping and hollering on the video. It's just really cool when, I don't know, like seeing, because, you know, especially with guitar, all you hear is the guitar part. And yeah, I can pick it out. I know what song he's doing, but it looks so cool in the band. I just thought it was so funny. They played a Green Day song. So if you haven't listened to the Green Day episode, go to that episode of the podcast. But a lot of the the students played, you know, Green Day, Nirvana, these bands. And I just remember the day it was about four years ago, Pascal came in and he was like, Mom, have you, have you ever heard of a band called Nirvana? And I was like, dude, we made Nirvana. My generation made Nirvana. <laughs> this is really funny. It's funny how it all comes around. The last thing I wanted to bring up was Pascal's driving. So again, if you have heard my primal scream through the forest, or if you follow me on Instagram, you probably already know this, but Pascal got his driver's license. He passed his road test with a 99 out of 100 and it was awesome. So I want to talk a minute about the craziness that is driving because I didn't anticipate this and I couldn't wait for him to drive. I've been pretty vocal the last six months. So what happens now with kids is they get their permit they can't even apply for their road test for another six months. I don't recall this when I was younger. I don't recall any of this when I was younger. And I don't know if I've forgotten or if it was always this way. But anyway, they're really strict. They really don't want kids under 18 driving. So there's a lot of rules and insurance is very expensive. So he passed his test, but because we live so far in the woods and all his friends are in this other town that's 45 minutes away. And a lot of my stuff is in this town that's 45 minutes away. I really needed him to drive. It's been painful. It was, this was a painful area of parenting. And I think it was painful mostly because I'm single. So if you have a spouse, hang on to them for the teenage years. (laughs) I think this is better if you have two people because I just had to drive him everywhere. I had to drive him to work. He has a work, a girlfriend, social life, all kinds of things happening and hobbies and he couldn't drive himself. So I was the Uber bitch. I was happy to do it. 
for him and our situation, his mental health, it to me is so important in an age where teenage suicide has gone up by 60%. I, I just feel like he needs his social, you know, like I was happy to do it, but things took a hit. It was a real struggle. Like work has been a struggle, just getting podcasting on time. Maverick has doggy needs. And it's just been like, I don't begrudge it, but it was hard. It was very hard. He needed me more now in this past six months than I think he did when he was three. And so just a lot of driving and a lot of teenagers plan things with like five minutes notice. So I would have a plan for the day and then it would be shot. And so I was really thrilled that he could start driving and it was unbelievable. You guys, the day after he gets his license, he, you know, he said, Hey, can we go? There's this store that we buy our ammo at. And he said, can we go to big bear? I need some ammo. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, here are the keys. Bye. And then he was like, Oh, shit. Then later the day, he's like, oh man, you forgot to get yogurt at the store. And I was like, here are the keys. You go to the store. And he's like, go to the store by myself. (laughs) I was like, dude, you've been in the store a billion times with me. And that, so like, that was crazy. Awesome. But I want to tell you, there's a sadness. He's been driving everywhere and our talks were always in the car. And so I was like, the other day I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to see my kid again. And of course I will. But it's this major milestone of them being their own person and having their own life. And then I was like, holy shit. And like college, college is in like two years or, oh my God, like, well, he's a junior. So like a year and a half. And I said, then they're really gone. Then they're really gone. Then you get a phone call on Sunday. And I was like, oh my God, like it goes so fast, but these milestones creep up on you. And I think driving is so exciting because you're like, I don't have to drive them places. But then you're like, oh, but. I don't get to drive them places. (laughs) So anyway, it took me by surprise. And I wanted to say something because I think our children's lives are just filled with these moments where we're thrilled for them to move on, but we're also sad because it's just one more step of them going away from us. And that has to happen. So yeah, just, I don't know. It's sad. It's sad and happy. And I think that's really all I have to say about it. Just acknowledging that I didn't anticipate this. I only anticipated the joy and not the the sadness. All right. I have another thing to talk about, but I think I'm going to save it. I think it's a bigger issue than I want to bring up right now. I think that's all my personal catch-ups. I love you guys. I hope you had a great Christmas, great Hanukkah, great whatever you celebrate, solstice, festivus, and a very happy new year. We're going to have the best new year. I know. But I hope your New Year's Eve is great. And I hope you set some intentions for the year. I don't do resolutions. I hope you don't either. I do love the practice that I've heard about recently, which is pick a word, a couple of guiding words for yourself for the year that will be your sort of compass. I have chosen connection and nourish as my words. I want to completely nourish myself mentally, physically, creatively, financially, just nourish myself. Yeah. And so, and then connected. I just, the connection I have with Pascal and the connection I talk about here on the podcast for you and your kids at your age is no fucking joke. It really isn't. I'm not talking out of my ass. I just was thinking the other day, like he is the best kid. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. I chose a different path of parenting than I was raised with or that society tried to pull down my throat. I'm so happy that I've gone by instinct. And I just, you know, being a single mom is challenging, but it's also being a single mom of a single kid. We have some luxuries, which is time. We have just 
both of us just have this one relationship, right? That's the the key relationship. Whereas I think in a house with a spouse and siblings, you have other relationships that complicate it and make it a little more challenging or a lot more challenging. But I feel just so grateful that we chose this path for ourselves because, you know, as you know, from that trauma episode, when I talked about those other parents and the concert and the Uber, I'm so glad I'm not parenting out of fear and I'm not parenting out of control. And learning to parent with connection has by far been the biggest payoff and the greatest payoff. And I have never, you know, I think you guys, we had a glitch there because of a girl. We had a glitch, not because of a girl, a girl put a little stick in our tire spoke. (laughs) And then we figured it out. And I don't ever see that stereotypical behaviors. There's no slamming doors. There's no, uh, there's occasional eye rolling. There's occasional sarcasm. There's occasional disrespect, but there's also a lot of love and there's a lot of talking, conversation, curiosity, and connection. And so that is my guiding word because I want that to overflow into all my relationships. I want that to overflow into you guys, into our community here that we're creating. And I want to just stay connected to everything, to my dog, to my life, my feet on the ground, metaphorically and not. And then, like I said, nourish. So pick a word. I'd love to hear it on like Instagram or on Patreon. If you're on Patreon, I'd love to hear your word and what you hope to bring into your life for this new year. I think it's really worth it. New Year's is my favorite holiday. It's just, I love it. I love the idea of a clean slate. I love the idea of like overindulgence in the holidays and then like, okay, let's start fresh. What are we doing? How are we helping ourselves? And so for me, it's my favorite. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, you guys, I appreciate you as always. Thank you for listening. If you're so inclined, leave a review and share, share on social. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.